Well, as we've been advertising for a few weeks now, um, we, are, we have a very honored and special guest here this morning, Mr. George South. When I, if you grew up in the South like I did, you probably grew up watching wrestling at some point in your life, and you couldn't turn on TV on a Saturday morning without flipping by some channel that had wrestling on. And, and when I was you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, that was, you, you can ask my mom, that was my Saturday morning routine. I would wake up at a certain time, and I'd watch wrestling for an hour, turn the channel, watch another wrestling show for an hour, turn the channel, and I, mom would be like, are you ever come, getting out of bed? And, you know, I'd sit there for four hours watching wrestling, and then I'd watch it again, you know, Saturday nights, Monday nights, whatever. Um, and, and so you get to know people as far as on the screen. You get to know their own screen personas. You, 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 you watch Ric Flair or Dusty Rhodes or Lex Luger or Sting or a lot of the guys that I watched grew up loving. Um, and you also see some of the other guys, like a George South. A George who wrestled every week, it felt like, on my TV screen. Didn't win a whole lot, but he wrestled a lot on my television <laughs> screen. And, um, and so we'll, we'll, I guess somewhere around... Um, end of the 90s, early 2000s, I kind of, uh, maybe I aged out, I don't know, I just kind of stopped watching wrestling for a while, and, um, and then about three years ago, we had some friends that uh, gave me some tickets to uh, a WWE show in Greensboro, and so I asked Jacob, I was like, Jacob, man, you want to go see, you know, WWE with me? He's like, that'll be a hard pass, <laughs> and so Jacob, uh, in his words, he's like, I don't want to go watch that fake stuff, and I was like, all right, well, you're disowned, and so Maria my, you know, our, my daughter at the time, and still is, uh, our daughter, she was what, maybe 12. She, she said, I'll go. And I was like, okay. Maria had never seen a wrestle match in her life, didn't know anything about it. And so we turned it into a, a daddy-daughter date. And so the two of us went with John and Nathan Henderson, and we went and watched this WWE show. And Maria's enjoying it. Everything's going fine. And then the women start to come out to wrestle. And Maria's eyes get big, and she's like, women can do this too? <laughs> I was like, they can She's like, that's what I want to do. And so she came home and just, just like me when I was 12, she just, just fell in love with professional wrestling. And now she eats, sleeps, and drinks it. And so obviously the big shows don't come around here as often as they used to. Um, so you know, Maria's like, let's go see some of the smaller shows. Let's go see some independent shows. And so there's a, actually, I found out there was a local um, organization in Winston called AML. And so they were putting on a show, and I said, well, let's just, we'll just go and just, we don't know any of these wrestlers. We'll just go and see what it's like. So I took Maria over, and the next thing I know, out comes George South. And it was like this blast from the past. I was like, George South is, he's still alive? And like, <laughs> he's still wrestling on top of that. And, um, and I was just like, in, I was like, Maria, I was like, he wrestled when I was your age. And we got to see George in the ring. And, and it was just unbelievable. And after the show, you know, all the wrestlers set up and they, they had their gimmick tables and they're selling autographs and pictures and things. And I was like, and I want to go see George, but I'm too nervous. And Maria's like, oh, I just go see him, Dad. Come on. I was like that little 12-year-old kid again. And so I remember walking up to George's table just being really intimidated by this, this guy that was such a, a bad guy in the ring in this hill. And I walk up, and all of a sudden, he's passing out Bibles. He's handing out tracts. He has John 3.16 on everything. And I was like, he speaks my language, you know? And so I went up to George, and I introduced myself and, and told him I was a pastor, and we just immediately just, just clicked. And we've had the opportunity, Marie and I have, over the last three years to go to a bunch of wrestling shows, and any of the local ones, George is there, and we always make a point just to sit and chat for a few moments. And we've been saying for, man, 18 months, two years, man, George, I, I got to get you over to the church just to share and just to speak. His, his, his story is incredible. His his heart for Jesus is absolutely the forefront of everything that he does. And um, I just think he, he's just an incredible man. And I would love for you guys, if you would, just um, welcome George South this morning. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pastor. Uh, you know, couldn't you have given me a band that wasn't no good? Uh, man, I thought I was going to follow somebody that didn't know what they were doing. But... Uh, you made it tough, uh, but thank you so much, uh, Pastor. I am so excited. Uh, you can say what. It looks like I just moved in, uh, but I've got several things that I want to share with you this morning, and I'm going to let this sweet lady uh, guard my heavyweight belt, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, I just use it to whoop all my kids, so uh, it is good. It is good for something. Uh, I'm going to leave a, a few things right here. Uh, Folks, I am so excited uh, to be here. You know, years ago, uh, 
uh, even before, of course, before I met the pastor, I had a buddy when uh, Charlotte first got a football team. Do y'all remember that? When uh, we always watched it on television, but man, we had the Panthers coming. And the first year, uh, my beloved Dallas Cowboys, uh, man, uh, I know, uh, they were going to play the Panthers. And I had a best friend from high school who had got very lucky the first year, and he had got tickets. And so he said, do you want to go see the Cowboys and the Panthers? I said, are you kidding me? Yes. He said, well, I will be by to pick you up this particular Sunday, but I'm going to be a few minutes late. And I said, well, okay, that's fine, but can I ask what you're doing? He said, I'm going to go buy Lowe's hardware, and I'm going to get some blue paint. And I said, wait a minute, uh, why? He said, well, you know, I'm going to get some uh, Panther blue, and we're going to paint our bellies blue. I said, so why are we going to do that? Oh, everybody's doing it. He said, before we go in that stadium, we're going to paint each other blue. Without our shirt, we're going to go in that, and we're going to cheer on football. I said, okay, I'm, I'm up for this. I got free tickets. So my brother shows up two gallon jugs of Carolina blue paint. And I'm still thinking he's done lost his mind. We go to Charlotte downtown. Everybody's tailgating. We get out. He says, you go first. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, take your shirt off. And people's all, I mean, this is, stamp, this is inaugural season. This is first year. There's a million people out there. I said, okay. So I take my shirt off, and he starts painting me blue. Paint's going everywhere. I said, I can't believe we're doing this. And people are just walking by. And he said, now you do me. Here. He gives me the paintbrush. Two grown men now. Takes his shirt off and Panther parking lot, and I start painting him. Blue paint everywhere. I said, what do we do now? He said, now we just go in the stadium, and we just watch football. I said, okay. True story. So we walk in Panther Stadium, paint dripping everywhere, and nobody said a word. Nobody called the police. Nobody, people even sat down beside us, high-fiving us. And so we sat there for three hours, Paint dried. I still got paint on me all these years later. But my point behind that goofy story is not one person called the law. Not one person said I was crazy. Not one person uh, tried to have us arrested. Nobody moved away from us. We fit right in. So, folks, ain't that crazy how I can paint myself blue and walk into a full stadium and nobody thinks I'm crazy? But the minute I mention Jesus Christ, they run from me. The minute I mention that Jesus changed my life, they try to lock me up. They say I've been hitting the head too many times. They say them chairs must really hurt. But folks, I'm here. If you get nothing else out of our time together, is I want you to know that I love Jesus Christ with all my heart. I have, I'll be 60 years old uh, in September. I have wrestled 41 years of my life. And I'm here to tell you, Ric Flair has wrote about me. Hulk Hogan uh, has wrote about me. I was Rick's favorite guy to get beat up. But I'm here to tell you that none of that matters. What matters to me today is my relationship with Jesus Christ. And folks, I got so much, you're going to think y'all been in a wrestling match when we get through. I had to bring, now my ref, Matt, came up with me, and I shared this with him. I had to bring, I'm so proud of this thing. You see, this is a, a lanyard, oh, duh, but I'm going to tell you about this. See, my grandbaby plays football. Well, what they let him do this year, and I go to, when I'm in town, I go to every practice. And they don't really get to wear pads or get to tackle each other, but they're outside running. So that's always good. So I go to every practice. So the little town, Harrisburg, North Carolina, is right outside of Charlotte. And so I go every practice, mind my own business, stand over here cheering him on, yelling at him when I think he's lazy. Well, guess what? A woman, a mom that I've never met, guess what she did? She called City Hall. And she said, I'd like to report this homeless guy. True story. Now, I don't know what he's up to, but he's there every time. Of course, as my grandbaby. And I don't know what 
who he is or anything about him, but I think we need to investigate. So my son, oldest son, who happens to work for the town of Harrisburg City Hall, he heard about the call. First thing he thought, Dad, what have you done? So he called me, said, George, Dad, come on down to City Hall. We're going to make you a lanyard. And I said, what is it for? He said, nothing. You're just going to be official. So, and it's even got my wrestling picture on it, preacher. <laughs> so every time I go to practice now, see, I don't know the woman. She never gave her name, but I walk like this every time. <laughs> so she's bound to see this thing. And as silly as that sounds, I got to have this to get on that field. But the world thinks they're going to walk right into heaven. You ever thought about that? I got to have this silly old plastic lanyard to get on the field. But people think they're just going to walk right into heaven. Folks, without the blood of Jesus, you ain't getting into heaven. Now, and especially the wrestling circle, that ain't cool to say. But folks, listen, my story may be a lot like yours. I come from a very big family in the uh, mountains of North Carolina. Thirteen brothers and sisters. The youngest and the best looking, right here. But folks, at the age of six years old, my mom and dad got killed in a car wreck. Six years old, I lost both of them. And I'm going to tell you what I did real quick, is I thought, well, that may not be that bad. Who's going to stop me? I had... Eight brothers sit me down one at a time on the end of the bed and tell me how messed up I was. Folks, I was a mean little boy. Drunk my first beer at 10. Nobody's going to stop me. Nobody. I don't have a mom and dad. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. So finally, I stayed with my brother Bill. The rest of them had given up on me. They said, you're set for trouble and you won't listen. And I had stayed with Brother Bill for a week. And finally he said, George, we've had enough. I mean, I've tried. My poor wife can't take it no more. So we're just going to pack up your little things, and I'm going to go drop you off. I said, Brother Bill, I don't care. I mean, you ain't going to tell me what to do. So I, took, I had two shirts to my name and a pair of jeans. It wasn't one of these shirts, believe it or not. <laughs> so I put them in an old plastic grocery bag and put it over and I said brother Bill let's go he put me in the front seat of his car and we started driving late at night and I was hitting the dash when you could actually turn the radio up you know I was making all kind of noise he could actually roll the windows up I just being a brat and I kept hitting the dash and I just said let's go wherever we go and I was making noise and finally brother Bill started telling me about somebody that loved me I didn't want to hear it. I turned the radio up louder. I kept hitting the dash. He kept talking. He kept telling me about somebody that loved me. No matter what I've done. No matter what I'm going to do. He told me that somebody loved me. After about 30 minutes, I got tired of hearing it. And I remember I reached over and turned the radio down. I said, Brother Bill, whatever it is, whoever it is you're talking about, would you please tell me? Who it is. Folks, for the first time in my life, I heard that God loved me. First time in my life in the front seat of Brother Bill's car, I heard that God loved me. Not that he just loved me, but that he gave his only son to die on a cross for my sins. First time I had ever heard it. And folks, the front seat of Brother Bill's car, I closed my eyes. And I asked Jesus Christ to save me. And guess what? He did. People say, don't lightning hit you in the head when that happens. No. Jesus just did what he said he would do. And he saved me. First time I'd ever heard that. So if nothing else you hear today in our time together, I want you to know that God loves you. God loved you so much that he gave his only son. Folks, it wasn't that beautiful picture that Grandma had hanging over the table. That beautiful picture. When you get to reading what they did to Jesus before they killed him. How they spit in his face. The Bible says that they put him on his knees and over a hundred soldiers walked in front of him and just punched him in the face and laughed at him. Then they tore his clothes off of him in front of his mother. 
gambled away his clothes. And then they throwed him in a grave for me. Wow. Folks, I'm here to tell you that ain't what I was going to preach on. But I got so much I want to share with you. Pro wrestling's been my life. You know, I've wrestled WWE, buddy. I've been on them big, big shows. You know, years ago, Ted Turner, I don't know if y'all remember his name, but he was like the richest man in the world. I mean, he owned Atlanta Hawks. He owned WCW. He owned the Braves. He owned everything in Atlanta, and he was my boss. And one day I was getting ready to go to wrestling on his television, the Superstation, and on the back of my wrestling trunks I had John 3.16. And as I was getting ready to go to the ring like I've done many times, Somebody grabbed me on my shoulder, and they pulled me back, and they said, uh, wait a minute, what is that? I said, what do you mean? They said, that on the back of your trunks. I said, well, it's a Bible verse. They said, well, you can't wear that. And I looked around, and all these other wrestlers had butterflies and, and, and names and everything else. I said, wait a minute, why? They said, because Ted Turner don't want anything like that on his station. So, folks, believe it or not, they made me turn my trunks inside out, excuse me, inside out. And as I shared that little story with you folks, I want to tell you one thing. Now, 25, 30 years later, the only thing that's left from that moment is John 3.16. There is no WCW. It got sold. They burned basically the rings and stuff, preacher. The other company did. Ted Turner's kind of still around, but Lost a lot of money. So the only thing from that instant in my life is John 3.16. Jesus says my word will last forever. Folks, I got some good stuff. Now, y'all really going to think I'm crazy on this. I love when things happen in this world that we already knew, but the world is running to it. Folks, I want y'all to go home today and Google this. I don't know if y'all heard this. Three days ago in Canada, scientists find a dinosaur mummy. The greatest prehistoric find ever. What was so special about this dinosaur mummy is it weighed over 3,000 pounds. When they found it, it weighed 2,500 pounds. This dinosaur is still intact. It still has its skin, its scales. They, the scientists said even its guts are still intact. One scientist said it's like it's sleeping. Took them over 7,000 hours to dig this thing up. People are going to be able to come and see this thing. But you know what? I, the reason I shared that, the last scientist said this. Didn't say if he was a Christian or not, but he said, Chances are, this huge dinosaur mummy that we found was probably washed out to sea by a huge flood. Hmm. That's what this scientist said. This wasn't a Christian magazine. This wasn't any Christian broadcasting. This is nothing. This is just a scientist. I read that. I said, duh. <laughs> So dumb wrestler ain't so dumb. But anyway, folks, I'm going to share with you a quick story real quick. We're going to have fun here today. I know I can't go all day long. Uh, my sweet lady, Vicky, that helps me at my table and my merchandise, she's cooked me a big pan of cornbread. She lives right down here. And, and I'm going to talk fast. Uh, we got here, and she said, it may have not turned out good. I think cornbread's good raw, you know. Uh, but I'm going to... Uh, uh, today... Folks, if you don't mind, real quick, we're going to just be in Acts 8, and, and if you get a chance to turn there, that's fine. If not, it's just a quick little story, uh, and I love it. You know, a couple weeks ago, we're always on the road, even with COVID. Me and my guys are always on the road, and, you know, years ago, I spoke at a comic book convention, if you can believe it, and that was very interesting for me because I'm in a room with all grown men, and they're all dressed up like Star Wars figures. I mean, every one of them. They all got these, and I'm thinking, these are grown-ups. So anyway, I shared Jesus, and I got ready to leave, and I thought, man, these men were all snoring. It was early in the morning. I'm thinking, not one of these Chewbacca guys 
listen to anything I said. And I got ready to leave, and a man reached up and grabbed my elbow, and he said, come on back in here. He was the only one that I could see his face that didn't have a costume on. He said, man, I loved your story. He said, what if we did a comic book on you? I said, man, that's pretty cool. He said, no, really. He said, I got some great artists that uh, draw for the Archie comics. And he said, we'll do a comic book on you with just your story. And uh, we'll do it all for free, which I really liked. And we'll give them to you. And so this was years ago. So what I've been able to do for years is give out these little comic book tracks. And what's so funny, folks, you know, if you ever want to stop junk mail, preacher, just put one of these in that envelope and mail it back. They'll never contact you again for some reason. But, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago, me and Matt, my guys, were in a little barbecue place in Gastonia, and Aro's Barbecue. Man, they got the best food in the world, and you can actually go in there and eat. And we, as soon as we walked in, three people in the back said, George South, George South. Usually when they do that, I kind of run this way. But I forgot that I had left my tracks in the car. So I'm filling for the car keys, and is there, I'm waving it to people. So I run back out to the car, and I grab my tracks. So I go over to these three people, and I said, can I share this with you? They were big wrestling fans. So I put three tracks in their hand, and, man, they were so excited to meet me. And our food just arrived, and it's sitting there, the greatest-looking hamburger barbecue you ever seen. And Matt was with me. It's a true story. So we sit down, and my guys know better to eat before we pray. So they're all sitting there starving, foaming at the mouth, saying, George, will you just shut up and quit talking to people? So we sit down. We pray. Bless her food, and before I could take that first bite, here comes another lady. She just gets up from her table. She, just, she had two ladies with her. She gets up from her table and walks right over to our table. And I ain't even took a bite yet. My guys are cramming it down their face. She speaks up. She says, I just noticed that y'all prayed. She said, I think that's great. I said, ma'am, that is so great. I'm reaching for another one. In five minutes, I done shared four tracks. And you know what's funny? I give this one to that lady. You know what she said? She said, does this thing got hell in it? <laughs> and I started laughing. She said, well, all these things got hell in them. <laughs> I said, well, ma'am, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said, without heaven, I said, without hell, you can't, I mean, without heaven, you can't have hell. She said, well, I've done research on hell. I said, I have too, the Bible. <laughs> I said, but let's talk about heaven. She said, well, I'll just give you some Bible verses. And then, believe it or not, it ended, the conversation ended. She went over and sat down, real sweet lady. Uh, what her hang-up was on hell. Uh, but I, uh, hey, I want to talk about hell. I want to talk about heaven. But, ho folks, hell is real. And you know what I tell people all the time? What we all can agree on, your neighbors, family, you can say, George, we all don't agree on nothing. Yes, we do, one thing, that we all can't be right. You ever thought about that? We all can't be right. Either us here this morning are right or that world is right. You see, we both can't be right. Either there is a Jesus or there's not. That's that. That's that simple. And, folks, what I believe is there is a Jesus. And he's coming back. I tell people all the time, he's coming back to get that coat. <laughs> that coat they took, gambled away. Jesus come back to get it. Or either this world is right. Folks, listen. If there's a small chance that there is no God and there is no Jesus, I haven't lost anything. Peace. A good night's sleep. But if we find out, and I know there is, that there is a God, you just look what they've lost. My goodness. So, anyway, real quick. i got to preach here in a minute. i got a million stories, folks. I, I tell you. But this one, this is good. Folks, with our pro wrestling life, it resembles the carnivals. I know all of you as kids remember going uh, not to the huge fancy carnivals, but those uh, small carnivals that, uh, with the unsafe rides, you know, that, that you, you look over there and there's a lot of parts laying on the ground and, and they just didn't need them for that roller coaster. Uh, but right before COVID hit, for years, I've been able uh, two or three times a year to go on the road with these carny people and and man, I love them. They're just a special type of person. They, they, it's just an amazing uh, life, what they do, is they come to each little town kind of like us, and, and they set up and stay there a couple weeks, and they very seldom leave that area. They sleep there, eat there. 
Uh, and very seldom do they let anybody, uh, you know, come into their little group. But, but us homeless people fit right in, folks. So uh, I have become good friends with them. And it's amazing. Uh, they have showed me all the little uh, ways to uh, take y'all's money, you know, when you play them games. And uh, I told them I don't want to know that. It kind of kills it for me. But this little story today is about a man named Simon. And when I read this, it reminded me of my life, uh, the carny life of how these people are just set in their ways and, 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 and they're not too honest sometimes and, and they make a great living. Uh, they, I joked with Matt coming up that they're probably selling hand sanitizer now and uh, face masks and, and everything else. You know, I walked in our Walmart at home and uh, they finally, uh, you know, well, they've been cleaning the buggies. And I was just being nice to this lady, and I said, ma'am, I said, shouldn't y'all already been cleaning these buggies? And I wasn't trying to be smart. She jumped back. I'm just trying to do my job, sir. I said, no, ma'am, I'm just saying, shouldn't you already been washing them buggies? But she didn't like that. So anyway, here we go. Chapter 8, folks, and I'm going to fly through this. Y'all probably going to end up having to throw a book at me in a minute. But what's amazing about chapter 8, folks, it, it's like I picked up today's newspaper. It's like somebody just turned on the news and put it right here. Listen how this first verse starts. And Saul was consenting to death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church. What? Did I just write this? Listen to this, verse 2 real quick, I'm going to fly. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 3. And for Saul... Now, folks, if you don't read your Bible, I hope you go home and read about Saul and just how mean this man was. I mean, he, what I love about Saul is he killed Christians, bragged about it. And just a chapter before this, guess what Saul did? He goes into the high priest and gets permission to kill Christians. He's doing it anyway, but now he's got permission to do it. Bible says kids... Even dogs that knew the Lord, he'd kill them. Sal, it says right here, Sal is just causing havoc in the church. Verse 3. Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, inhaling men and women, committing them to prison. Verse 4. Therefore, they were all scattered abroad, and they went everywhere preaching the word. Folks, things are kind of like now. No hope. People are just doing whatever they want to. People are just getting away with anything. There's nothing to look forward to. Now, real quick, verse 5. And then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Jesus. Folks, ain't that beautiful? Right in the middle of mess, there's Jesus. Folks, do you know that the Bible says when they nailed Jesus to the cross, boom, it says there was a garden. Now, wait a minute. Three, chapter, three verses talk about the buzzards, the rats, the smell, the dead skulls, and then there's a garden. Man, folks, whatever you're going through, there's a garden. Whatever you're facing, there's a garden. You've got to always remember that. Now, real quick, I know I'm talking real fast, but look at this. So they're preaching Jesus. Unclean spirits are being healed. Philip spoke, and they're seeing and they're hearing the miracles which he did. Verse 8, real quick. And there was great joy in that city. Man, folks, I, I want to close my Bible and leave. <laughs> there was great joy in that city. Don't you wish it ended that way? Don't you wish that there was just great joy, and we all went home and ate cornbread? Next verse. But. Man, I hate sometimes when there's a but. Verse 9. Here we go, real quick. There was a certain man named Simon. Good friend of mine, folks. Before time, in the same city, he used sorcery and he bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. Simon's got a good little racket going here. Listen to this, folks. Verse 10. To whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest. 
he must have been pretty good. He just didn't fool the old dumb wrestlers. Folks, he had everybody believing that this man is the great power of God. Verse 11, And to him they had regard, because for a long time he had bewitched them with sorcery. Simon's pretty good. He's probably a wrestler, you know, part-time. But listen to this. This is what I'm going to uh, concentrate on. Verse 13, greatest verse, man, I love it. Then Simon himself believed. Man. Folks, listen, the reason I can stand here this morning looking like a homeless person with a nice lanyard, and I can tell you that Jesus Christ is the greatest thing in my life, not because I heard it on the news, not because even a great pastor told me, it's because I needed him to be the greatest Jesus in the world. I needed him to be the Lord of my life. Remember that old uh, hair commercial about ball uh, men back in the day? The owner would get on there and he'd show his new head of hair and he'd say, uh, I'm not just a customer, I'm an owner of the company. Folks, that's me. I am a customer. Folks, I am a customer of the blood of Jesus Christ. And it has washed away every sin in my life. So verse 13, Simon himself believed and he was baptized. This old crooked carny guy, see we used to bend the end of those darts. Y'all couldn't never pop no balloon when we done that preacher. Don't y'all tell nobody, them carny people bury me if I share that with you. But I used to love them old carnies. They'd bend into that dark, and I'd just sit here and watch all them people pay that money, and they'd, dang it, you know, just to win a little old dollar bear. But you'd never, you'd never pop that balloon as long as they bent into that dark, Dre. So, you know what was years ago? I'd take my girls. I got twin girls, uh, daughters. They're, they're 23 now. When they were little, I'd take them to the fair. And before we get there, I'd say, girls, you ain't playing no games. I mean, I know how this works. Now, I'll get you a corn dog, but that's it. And we ain't playing none of them games. And finally, one of my daughters, Abigail, said, would you just shut up? You're kind of killing it for us. So now, even now, I let them go and just blow money at the, at the carnivals, uh, folks. But listen, Simon got saved. Lightning didn't hit him in the head. Somebody told him about Jesus. And guess what? In the front seat of Simon's brother Bill's car, he bowed his head, and he asked Jesus to save him. Man, now, it gets good. Turn over real quick, folks. I promise, folks, I ain't going to be here all day. Simon knows the Lord. Guess what? He gets excited. Oh, and he wants to do something. So listen to this. I love this. Verse 15. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered the money. Simon's seeing people get healed, and he wants part of it. He's a young Christian, so he starts laying the money that he made from the carny work. Here, I'll pay to, give me what they've got. Now listen to this, verse 19. He says, give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Verse 20, real quick. But Peter said to him, your money perishes with you, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. You know, when you read that, you think, dang, Simon, you should know better. Folks, no, he shouldn't. He's a young Christian. And even though Peter was doing what he should have done, we got to be careful sometimes. When someone gets so on fire for the Lord, they're not going to know exactly what to do yet. But I love this. Verse 22. Repent, therefore, of this, thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thy heart may be forgiven thee. Can't you just imagine Simon's, whew, he's probably deflated. He just wants, I believe, to do something for Jesus. And this is what I love, and I'm almost done. Verse 23, I love this. Peter tells him, I perceive that you art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of inequity. Man, I love that, man. That's what I'm going to start when I get mad at people on Facebook, that's what I'm going to lay on them, preacher. 
I ain't sure what it all means, but it just sounds bad. Man, poor Simon. And this is what I love. And then I'm going to wind all this up. Verse 24, my last verse. Then answered Simon, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which you have spoken come upon me. Simon just wanted to make sure that he didn't hurt his testimony. Folks, years ago, I did a pro wrestling show for Budweiser. Now, before y'all throw me out of here, uh, you got to hear me out. I tell you what, listen, y'all can say what you want, but we go do these shows for Budweiser, and they blow money. They bring us in in a limousine. They feed us like Chick-fil-A, which I hardly ever get, because that's like really expensive. <laughs> I ain't used to Chick-fil-A. And we did a huge show for Budweiser, and they treat me so great. And I tell you what, we got ready to leave. They let me share as many tracks as I want. They give me a table to share my Bibles, folks. And we got ready to leave, and the head guy over Budweiser came into the dressing area, 100 wrestlers. And he said, guys, uh, there's four boxes of T-shirts. You may want them. Brand new shirts. Hanes, too. Still got the label on the back. In the plastic. I raised my hand. And the guy over Budweiser says, well, I know y'all won't mind, but the T-shirts have Budweiser on it. I said, I don't care. I raised my other hand. <laughs> so I got them. I asked one of the guys to help me load them in my car. He said, he's doing this. I said, man, what's wrong with you? Help me load these boxes. He said, I'll help. I just can't believe you. He was a good friend. I said, what do you mean? He said, didn't you hear that guy? He said, them shirts have got Budweiser on them. I said, so? He said, but. I knew what was coming. I said, hold on here. I said, there's a men's shelter in Charlotte that I go to once a month. And man, them guys ain't never had a new shirt, especially in the plastic. And do you think those men care what's on that shirt? Next day, I took them boxes, donated every one of them shirts. Folks, listen to me. I'm going to tell you what. I, I had several friends this morning that I invited to come here, and first thing, their question. It wasn't about what y'all preach. It wasn't about what you believe in. They said, what am I supposed to wear? <laughs> I said, come naked. I don't care. <laughs> Folks, you going to let a clean shirt keep you out of heaven? When I stand before Jesus and I fall on my knees, the Bible says every knee is going to bow. Presidents, kings, athletes, we're all going to bow. Folks, the difference between me and this world is I'm going to feel Jesus come up right behind me. And he's going to lift me up. And he's going to say, Dad, this one is with me. That's it, folks. Do you know the sadness of people that are going to be bowed? Because the Bible says every knee is going to bow. And they're just going to feel Jesus walk right by. Folks, you do not get into heaven if Jesus don't tell his dad you're coming. How can this dumb old wrestler figure that out? The only thing that matters is not Ric Flair. The only thing that matters, as much as I love Rick, the only thing that doesn't matter about that heavyweight belt. The only thing that matters is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. My last story, I promise I'm done. You're going to love this. I got so much. Listen, I got five grandbabies waiting on me. I'm going to stay here a while. <laughs> They're saying, when's this homeless guy coming home? You know, years ago, uh, my sweet lady, Vicky, that helps me out for years, we, uh, we just walked in Goodwill one day. And, and uh, like Pastor said, when I first met him, I love my, my time at my merchandise table. Yeah, I sell a book. I wrote a life story, if you can believe it, and got some pictures. But I just love that time of... Of, of sharing uh, my tracks. You know, I went into a high school uh, gym, 600 teenagers in Hartwell, Georgia. And I was waiting on the kids to come in. Teenagers, they all had, you know, rock and roll T-shirts on. And, and I saw this lady out of the back of my eye. She come running, little old lady. She's sweating. She was running so hard. She come right up on the stage. I ain't said a word yet. She got right in my face. She said, well, we got a problem. We got a problem. I said, ma'am, I ain't even spoke. They usually say that after I preach. She said, that shirt you got on. I said, what shirt? And I looked down, 
And remember when they were saying, got Jesus, like the old got milk slogan? It was just a T-shirt that said, I got Jesus. She said, you got to take that off. You got to take that off. I said, what do you mean? She said, uh, you, you just got to take that shirt off. I mean, you can't have that shirt on. And so 600 kids coming in, and look, they all got, you know, rock and roll shirts, Ozzy Osbourne, everything. So I had a youth pastor with me that set all this up. And I looked down, he's sweating too. <laughs> he thought he was going to jail. And she said, I need you to, to turn that shirt inside out. I said, ma'am, I'm not going to turn my shirt inside out. I said, are you kidding? She said, well, you can't speak. I said, okay. So I packed up everything, if y'all don't believe it, and we left. What they did with 600 kids, I don't know. But we got in the car, and the youth pastor said, oh, my gosh. He said, do you think we need to go back in there and apologize? I said, buddy, we ain't did nothing wrong. So, folks, just because I share tracks, listen, I, don't even, I ain't got a clue what I'm doing. I'm like Simon. All I know is Jesus. You think I'm a professional at giving these out when the lady at Wendy's throws it back in my face? Yeah, I get mad more than a puncher. I mean, I'm trying to tell you the greatest thing that will ever happen to you. I have no idea. I tell people all the time. I want to be like Simon. If I got a few dollars here, let's just use it for Jesus. I'm not trying to buy salvation. I just want to do something. Don't tell me no. I'll paint myself blue, folks. Now if I do it, I put John 3.16 across my belly. But we walked in Goodwill real quick, and I'm done. And we found some old Bibles. I mean, just like donated. Some of them, I love the word they use, donate. I think throw it away. They're just stowed in the bottom of bins. Sometimes we find toys on top of them. Sometimes we find shoes on top of them. And so what we've been doing for years is we collect these. I take them back home, and I clean them up a little bit, and we give them back out. Last year alone, before COVID, we gave out over 1,000 Bibles. One time, me and Vicky was eating. We do our little annual food. We always eat. We're sitting at uh, little Gary's Barbecue, and I noticed this guy and his little boy were staring. I'm thinking, man, I said, Vicky, I got food on my face. I mean, what are they doing? And that man got up, come over. He said, we're leaving. We know y'all are eating. He said, I just want you to know you shared a Bible with my little boy years ago, and he still reads it. But, folks, I brought these. These are interesting. All of them are interesting. But every now and then, this is going to break y'all's heart. Every now and then, we find Bibles that still have something written in them. I mean, you think, okay, somebody gave this Bible to you, and they write a little note in it. Folks, again, I want you to remember real quick as I close, we find these basically in the trash. There's stuff on top of them. I don't think they're even meant to be found. Uh, and I brought some of my favorites real quick, and I know we got to get out of here. But I just want you all to think here as I close, I don't know these people. Most of them have the date in it, like this one. Christmas Day, 1987. This was given to Lauren from her mom and dad. <clears throat> How did this end up in the trash? I don't know, but I kept this one. Real quick, folks. This one, for you dads, man, I'm about to blow my nose on my shirt because this brings a tear to my eye. Listen to this. The young man's named Luke. He played basketball for his dad. So on March the 4th, 2006, his dad wrote, Luke, I am so proud of you. I am so proud to be your father and your coach. You always work hard, and you show courage in the ball on the ball court. Continue to trust in the Lord and let Him make your path straight. Found in the trash. You know what I'm going to do? When I get to heaven, I'm going to find Luke. I'm going to say, excuse me, you little brat. Your dad gave you this. I had a lady say, well, you know, people move and things happen. I said, no, I think Luke's a brat. And he just threw this thing away. Folks, I lost my dad when I was six. What I would give to have a Bible from my dad. I mean, don't people still have junk drawers in the kitchen? 
you know where you find a bologna sandwich and a screwdriver? <laughs> like all in the same bucket? Gosh, that one is. Oh, no, this one's good. All you young folks that are dating. This young lady named Dawn, she loved Kevin. You know why I know that? Because she wrote it everywhere. <laughs> December 15th, 1994. Dawn loves Kevin. Kevin loves Dawn. Forever and ever and ever. She just didn't write on the front. She wrote all over the back. Kevin loves Dawn forever and ever. I don't think it worked out, preacher. <laughs> Can't you see Dawn sitting in church with like her new boyfriend named Bob? And she happens to open it. Uh-oh. But it was found in the trash. But you know what was amazing about this Bible? This poor lady wrote on the front and the back about her love, and I think she missed Jesus' love. Oh, two more, and then I'm out of here. Y'all going to call the law on me. Folks, this one's good. You ain't going to believe this one. Christmas Day, 1949. Wow. It says who it's presented to? A church. Matuka Baptist Church. Christmas, 1949. Folks, every page is in this book. Not one page is tore. 1949. My goodness. Jesus said my word will last. The last one. Then we're going to close this thing out. This may be my all-time favorite. And I actually had other people, because I've been hitting the head a lot, to read this to make sure I was reading what I was reading. July the 10th, 1903. 1903. In the back, there's a prayer that this lady wrote. Real quick as I close. Dear God, our Father, look into our hearts. Cleanse us from all sins and give us strength. In Jesus' name. Wow. So in 1903, they needed Jesus too? Yes. Ain't that amazing? I've talked to, I don't know if I'm going to, uh, the uh, Billy Graham Library in Charlotte wants to, uh, take a few of them and just you know just present them and let people see it, folks. We found those in an old trash bag. If you could imagine the hands that probably have touched these, wow! So, folks, listen as I close. Don't think that you can't do nothing for Jesus. You know, years ago, Rick Flair walked up to me and he said, "George, uh, you know Rick Flair's famous for all those robes." $10,000 a piece is what those robes cost. And he walked up, this is a few years ago, and he said, George, i got to be on Good Morning America, and could you please take my robes to Atlanta? The lady, Olivia Walker, handmade all of them. He said, I just want her to fine-tune them. I said, okay. So I meet him at the airport. At this time, he owned probably 20 robes, preacher. So he put every one of them in my car, and I'm so excited to be doing this, and I get to meet Olivia Walker, who made all these beautiful robes. So I'm by myself, and I'm driving to Atlanta, and the more I'm thinking about this, I'm getting aggravated. I'm thinking, wait a minute, I ain't a good math major, but I got over 20 robes at like $10,000 a piece. I got a lot of money in my trunk. But I was driving an old Pinto. You remember them? Them ain't even cars. For you young folks, y'all need to Google Pinto. That, went, that ain't even, I don't even know what it was. I, I, I don't even know what it was. But I'm thinking, I got like 400 bucks tied up in this Pinto. And I got like $200,000 in the back of my car. And I was mad the whole way going to Atlanta. But I dropped them off. And you know what, folks, as I close, think about it. What made that Pinto valuable is what was inside it. What made that old beat-up $400 car valuable is what was inside of it. Folks, what makes this old wrestler of 41 years special 
is what's inside of me. Jesus Christ come into my heart and he changed my life, folks. All I want to do is share with people the hope that's in my life. It's amazing. You know what my preacher tells me? Pastor Mike, he says, he, every week he asks me to go visiting with him. I love going to visit because you old, them old folks can cook. And he says, I said, preacher, why do you always want me to go visiting? I mean, I love doing it. He said, let me tell you something. I never thought about this. He said, I can knock on doors. They won't open them. He said, I can call and tell them I'm coming. They won't even answer. But if I tell them I'm bringing a wrestler, <laughs> man, the front door's open, Dre. They got a glass of milk and pie on the front table, and they just welcome us in. So, folks, as long as I'm able to use pro wrestling, I'm going to use it. Not because it's kind of neat to get in there and get, you know, my job is to make y'all mad at me. I do a good job of that. Uh, but it's just the excitement to see people just have fun and help y'all forget the real world sometimes and then to get a chance to meet you. I tell people all the time, I'm not a, a, a Christian that happens to wrestle. I say, I'm a wrestler that just happens to be a Christian. I mean, I love Jesus, folks. My buddy told me yesterday, he said, man, you talk like he's right here. <laughs> he is. So, folks, as I close, I'm going to turn it back over to the preacher. I'm going to hang out here. I'll be here tonight when y'all come. No, I won't. <laughs> but, folks, listen, I hope you got a little bit out of this, folks. I just want you to know God loves you. I don't want it to be till you're 13, 15, 20, 25 before you ever hear that Jesus loves you. I got a wrestling school in Charlotte. Boy, and that's, y'all ought to be there when I get these young guys come in off the street and they're going to make a lot of money quick. And then they fall one time and say, oh, wait a minute. That rings uh, hard. <laughs> so, folks, before I close with prayer, we're going to do something very special. I know we only got a few minutes, but we're going to open this up for a Q&A. Real quick, I know y'all's bellies. Vicky, you can leave and go get the cornbread. No, I'm kidding. But has anybody got a question? Pastor, anything? I know, folks, I'd probably kept y'all here way too long. I got a, my grandbaby's got me a Batman watch, and, I, and believe it or not, I got to shut up. It, when this thing goes off, you hear that theme song. And you don't know how many times I've been preaching this thing. I can't turn it off. So I got to hurry. Any questions? Anything uh, you want to know about wrestling? Folks, I don't know what y'all have heard, but it hurts. Uh, the most amazing thing I've always heard is, is it fake? And I love to say, well, you know, we don't really try to kill each other because that's like against the law, you know. But it hurts when you fall. People, you know, people have told me for 40 years there's a spring underneath. I've never seen a spring. I mean, I, to me, that would hurt worse. If most of you, and I know the pastor's daughter, I just told her the most impressive thing about me is she's starting at the groundwork. I mean, she's starting at the bottom, setting a ring up. You got to set these rings up. Folks, they're not like a trampoline. Uh, I had a lady this week. She said, I got two 10-year-old ten, boys. What time did I drop them off? I said, well, I, mean, I think you got the wrong number. I mean, this ain't like a daycare. She said, well, I thought y'all just like took, you know. I said, ma'am, I mean, I can train your 10-year-old, but I'm going to hit him over the head with a chair, you know. <laughs> Oh, no, you're not either. I think, but I think majority of people think that, well, it's just y'all were just playing. Uh, you know, my title of my book is, uh, Dad, You Don't Work, You Wrestle. Uh, when I was little, I'd, I'd come home off the road, and my girls would be bouncing on the beds. And I remember one time I said, Abigail, go to bed. I got to go to work. She said, you don't work, you wrestle. <laughs> That's kind of like the world thinks, you know, we just play. It's not a real job, but... Uh, any any questions, folks? I'll be quiet and, and let y'all. Any questions at all about wrestling or anything? Uh, good. I think I told y'all everything. <laughs> Are you really that crazy or what? Uh, but folks, listen. There's people. I'm gonna tell you. You go to a rock concert. People jumping up and down, running the aisles about nothing. You start talking about Jesus, man. They get all quiet. And I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be that way. Man, I want people, I don't remember my name. Won't you remember that Jesus saved me? Folks, I was on my way to hell. I was on my way to hell, not to party with my friends, but to burn forever. And Jesus took my place. Man, the Bible says if I'd have been the only one, he would have still took my place. You know what? My last thing, I'm done. If Jesus, I tell people all the time, if Jesus was going to leave me, he would have done it in that courtroom when they lied about him. You ever think about that? If Jesus was going to leave me, 
when they pull them spikes, let me ask y'all a question. We'll change this around. Where y'all think them spikes come from? You think they ran down to Home Depot and got the sharpest, prettiest nails? No. They reached over and pulled them out of another dead body with maggots, disease. You think them soldiers who just spit on him were going to run down to Lowe's and put their mask on and walk in there, get two bales of hay and three spikes? Folks, if Jesus was going to leave me, when he saw them nails, he'd have said, oh, hold on. Maybe y'all are right. Uh, maybe <laughs> George did this. I didn't. Folks, he didn't. Bible says at any moment he could have called 10,000 angels to stop this. But he didn't. You know why? Because he knew on a Sunday morning y'all were going to get an old wrestler in here that didn't know when to shut up and he's going to tell y'all about Jesus. The only hope I have is Jesus. The only hope I have is Jesus. The only hope you have to get out of here alive is Jesus. All right, no questions. I'm going to have a Folks, I'm going to be out here a little bit if you want to come say hey. Uh, folks, I wrote a great book, man. You know what? Uh, last story. Ole Anderson, who was a real old-timer. Man, you remember him. He was mean. He's still alive. His brother, uh, Gene, passed away. But Ole's an atheist. And he'll tell you up front. What's sad is, I don't even know if you classify him as an atheist because he don't believe in nothing. I mean, nothing. I mean, and he's almost, he's ready to die. He's close to death. And so when my book come out, I said, I'm going to give Ole one. And all these old-timers said, George, you got to be crazy. Ole's going to throw that thing right out the window. He'll throw it back in your face. I said, I'm going to try so I gave him the I gave him my book. Ole took it home, and he read it. And I scared to death. I mean, he didn't throw it. He didn't burn it. I called him the next day, and I closed. I said, Ole, I got to ask, what do you think about my book? He said, well, in that old gravel voice, he said, there's like 400 pages of Jesus and one page of wrestling. And I said, thank you, thank you. <laughs> that is the greatest compliment I've ever got. There's 400 pages. There's a few things about wrestling. But every page of that book, you're going to know where my life is. It's in the arms of Jesus. I'm going to pray, preacher, and I'll turn it over to you, okay? Lord Jesus, Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Lord, I thank you for these wonderful people. Lord, what a blessing that band was. I just pray that you would continue to use them, Lord, and just open up. Uh, doors for them to witness lord i just thank you for the pastor and for his uh, sweet daughter for his family lord i just thank you for letting me come here today lord i'm i know i get up here and and share goofy stories but jesus you changed my life lord you changed my life and if i lay my head down tonight lord and i don't wake up it's okay you are the peace that passes all understanding father thank you for these wonderful people uh, people for just being patient with me lord bless them today lord as we go into uh, the thanksgiving season i just lord i just thank you that you loved me enough to give your life for me in jesus name i pray and give thanks amen amen thank y'all so much oh Preacher, you can stay up here for me okay So as George said, he does have a table out there. He has um, his book that he has written that, that is out there for sale. There's also pictures of yeah. George, and he'll sign them for you if you want. And I've got, y'all gonna really think I'm crazy. I got my own water. <laughs> now, before you think I'm crazy, people actually ask me, can I drink it? And I said, yeah, you drink it. But I had a Bible verse put on the label of that water. Yeah, I sell a few of them, whatever. People, you know, I've had 10 people come back and say, well, now, why is this Bible verse? on this bottle of water and I've been able to tell them about Jesus from a simple bottle of water so anyway no I'm not a used car salesman oh, I'm sorry either <laughs> but but I uh but it's just neat to use a bottle of water to uh win people to Jesus amazing well so, something that we wanted to do for you um uh past couple of weeks we've been collecting Bibles and all kinds of oh, things wonderful. and so we have a big box we want to give you oh, to be able to like go much. and uh, pass out at ministries yes. and doing things like that Amen. so uh, we have that for you. We thank want to give you too. But uh, uh, folks, I'm going to be. That, thank you. Yeah, I'm going to Pembroke in two weeks. A huge bike rally. 
and, and then and that, that so y'all have already going to be a ministry for me because I just told Matt that I've got to get some Bibles to give away at that bike ministry. So go. man, that's a great thing. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, yeah. So George will be out there. Let's give him a big round of applause again. Just thank you for his stories, his testimony. Um, man, just awesome. Thank you so and much. and George put something on. Uh, I, I tell I told my wife this like. You know, you know me, I, I, I rant against social media all the time. I hate it. Um, and, I, and I told, I told Beth I, I, last night, I, some, I said, the only reason I stay on Facebook is to read George, George's Facebook post. <laughs> I'll say are the absolute best. I uh, with a flip phone. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but usually, uh, we were just talking about this morning, um, Winston-Salem at the Benton Convention Center for the last, I don't know, 10 years at least, has held um, one of the largest rest, pro wrestling conventions in the world. And um, thousands of people come in from all over the world, all these wonderful wrestlers and things. Um, Maria and I have been going for the past few years, but obviously with COVID, they're not doing that this year. And so George and I were talking this morning about how sad it is. You know, Thanksgiving weekend, we won't have WrestleCade. Um, but he put something on this morning on, on his Facebook post that I thought was awesome. He said, normally I go to Winston-Salem, and I, I'm paraphrasing. He, he said, normally I go to Winston the week of Thanksgiving to, um, to, to, to set up for the greatest wrestling show in the world. He's like, this week I get to go and tell people about the God of the world. And I just thought, you know, either way, God's going to bring you back here. And yeah. I thank you so much, George, thank for just you. your ministry and for being here. Thank you. Thank you so All much. right, you. guys, you're dismissed.